Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. I'm Gabriella Yastra and today we're going to be talking about dealing with chronic fatigue as a productivity obstructor with Dr. Evan Hirsch. Now he is an international fatigue and energy expert. Hi, welcome to the show. Hey Gabriella, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for coming. Um, so before we get going, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit more so that um, we can you know, know who, who you are and why you're here? Sure, so my name is Evan Hirsch. I am a medical doctor, board certified in family medicine, integrative medicine, and I've kind of evolved my practice to functional medicine, environmental medicine, and now looking for all of the causes, what I call the root root causes of chronic fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalitis, long COVID, and mast cell activation syndrome. So some real tough mystery symptoms and mystery illnesses that are hard to treat. And so consequently, we're looking at over 30 different causes. And we find that everybody who has these complex chronic illnesses have a combination of about 20 of those. And we can go into those if you want to, but the reality is, is that they're complex and it's never just one thing. Interesting, yeah, I think it'd be great to learn a bit more about that. But before we do, we're gonna do a section called, Have You Met Evan? And that's where we get to know you through some of your favorite things. Um, so the first thing we'd like to know is, uh, what's your favorite book? That's a tough one. I would say that it's probably The Four Agreements um, by, I think it was Ruiz. So, yeah, Ruiz. Um, are you familiar with the book? No. Uh, tell me about it. So it's really some tenets to live by. It's these agreements that we kind of make um, in our lives that oftentimes don't serve us. And so these are agreements that we want to make with ourselves that actually serve us. So they're be impeccable with your word. Um, don't take anything personally. Um, I'm going to miss one of them. Um, always do your best. And there's one more that I can't remember, but they're, they're good tenants to live by. So far, the three that I've heard seem, yeah, very good. Something that I, I think I might already be doing, hopefully. Um, Maybe we'll oh, find out. Don't make assumptions. That's what it is. Don't, don't make, make assumptions. assumptions. That's also a good one. I think, yeah, very important. Um, yeah. yeah, don't get into trouble in that way. Right. Um, and um, why, why do you like these ones? Well, I think I'm always looking for, well, they, they, they resonate with my values. Um, and I have found them to be, you know, sometimes when that, when I have questions in my life, it's good to lean on either quotes that, uh, that make sense to me or some of these basic tenets. And so oftentimes I use them as guideposts posts in my life, um, to help make decisions. Mm, very good. 
Um, and what about a movie you've enjoyed recently? Um, I think, I think recently my favorite movie was Tick, Tick, Boom. Are you familiar with this one? No. So it was on Netflix. It is on Netflix right now. And it is, um, a musical that was written by, um, let's see, Jonathan, I can't remember his name, but it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who did Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And um, Jonathan is a composer who ended up writing Rent, the movie musical and the musical. Um, and so this was the musical that he wrote before Jonathan Larson, the musical before he wrote Rent. Uh-huh. So they recently redid it with Andrew Garfield. It's incredibly well done. The music is very catchy. And so it's one of my thing. I download it onto my phone and I watch it when I'm on flights. Very good. What's the movie about or the musical? So it's kind of his it's kind of his story of the first musical that he wrote didn't go particularly well, but it's his story, his relationships of kind of going through that process. Um, you know, he's got it's during the time where AIDS is just coming out in the early 80s. And so he's got a best friend who gets AIDS. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun and the music's excellent. Sounds good. You do you burst into flight um, mid flight? Uh, burst into song, sorry. Well, I'm usually humming. If if the well on takeoff, you know, you can usually sing and nobody notices because it's so loud. So sometimes I will. <laughs> or in the bathroom. You know, we can never hear you in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yes. really, can anyone hear you in the airplane anyway? It's so loud. <laughs> right. <sighs> right. I'll, um, I'll look out for you. If I hear you singing, I'll come up to you and I'll say hi. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, and um, are you listening to any podcasts at the moment? I am, though most of the podcasts that I listen to are sports related. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways that I balance the intellectual demands of my job is to listen to sports commentary. So I listen to things like Hoops Tonight. We've got the NFL, the basketball championships, so the playoffs going on right now. We've got the NFL draft, you know, all these things across the pond that you guys, I'm sure, really couldn't care less about. But um, but it's, it's a lot of fun for me, and it really, it switches my brain in a way that allows me to relax into the evening and getting ready for bed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's very important to, I guess, um, have that balance between, you know, intellectual pursuit, but also relaxing and having some self-time. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, and do you have a role model? That's a great question. I, th- I was thinking about this and I think that it's probably my dad. Um, and my dad isn't, you know, I run a business and my dad's not a businessman. Uh, my dad uh, is a PhD in organic chemistry, but I think that um, I'm really, I look at my dad as a role model for uh, how to be a husband, how to be a father. Um, cause he was always there for us kids. And so, um, I really want to make sure that I'm there for everybody in my life. Yeah. I think, yeah. Having a role model for different areas of your life is very important. Um, and having one so close to home, um, yeah, makes it very easy and, um, yeah, great role, role model as well. Mm. Yeah. And what about a course that has inspired you? 
So I think that, let's see, what did I write? Oh yeah, so I think that something that has inspired me, a course, I would say, this isn't exactly a course, but I've really enjoyed the Tony Robbins events that I've gone to. And so one of them is uh, UPW or Unleash the Power Within. That was the first one that I went to and I found that to be incredibly powerful. And I've since purchased some of his courses on relationship, on time management, and uh, and those have definitely been inspiring. Um, and what does he what does he talk about? So, in unleash the power of, I mean, it's all self growth work or self improvement, mm -hmm. personal growth work. Um, and so he's coming at it from uh, neuro linguistic reprogramming sense, and like you walk on coals when you go to UPW, and so it's kind of like it's. Uh, it's just ways to kind of break through any sort of psychological barriers that you have and, you know, kind of recreate the life that you want. Interesting. Um, sounds a bit scary, though. <laughs> you got to be open to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, any sort of change in life is scary. Um, you just have to believe that the, the benefit is going to be worth um, the pain. Now it's not painful to walk on coals once you've gone through a process like this, but, but the, the psychological pain. Mm, very true. Um, so over the course of your experience, how do you define personal productivity? So I would say, I have to look at my notes. I would say that personal productivity really is, you know, being able to focus on what's most important. So it's the, you know, oftentimes at the end of our day, we may think to ourselves, well, what did I do today? Um, and and that usually comes from putting out fires where you're kind of on your heels all day and you're dealing with what's coming to you as opposed to being really conscious and really focused on, okay, what is the most important thing for me to work on today um, to move my career forward, to move my business forward, to move my job forward? And what do you think people get uh, wrong when it comes to personal productivity? I think that people don't realize that they need to schedule things and that they have to be really conscious about what they're doing from moment to moment. You know, um, oftentimes people don't realize how often they're checking their email and that it is advantageous to, you know, be like, okay, this is the half an hour a day when I check my email. You know, for me, it's like, okay, this is the half an hour a day when I'm going to respond to questions in my online community, or this is the time where I'm looking at Asana, my, my, um, my project management software to, to look to respond to my team and, and give them the feedback that they need. So do you schedule in, you know, 9am, um, check emails, um, 9.30, um, check, uh, forums. Is that, what do, you, what do you mean? Yes. Wow. I schedule it. Yeah, I schedule it on my calendar. Now, sometimes I need to move things around. Um, and sometimes I move them around without actually moving them around on my calendar, which my assistant would probably be covering her ears on this because she's actually much better at this than I am. Um, but yes, I have everything scheduled because if it's not, if it's not scheduled, then it's not going to get done. Fair enough. Yeah. And I certainly spend too much time taking my emails and not enough time actually working. No, that's not true. <laughs> I do spend a fair amount of time checking my emails though. Right. And if you think about what email actually is, 
is it's usually somebody asking something of you, mm. right? As opposed to you being in creation mode to create, you know, whatever you want in your business or in your life. Mm, yes, definitely. Um, so we're moving on to our topic um, and how would you define chronic fatigue? So chronic fatigue is defined as tiredness that's not relieved by rest. So, you know, when we were in university, I should say uni, right, if I'm actually going to be appropriate here. And when we were in uni, we would have finals and we would stay up all night studying for a week or two. And then we would come home and we would sleep for a couple of weeks and then we would bounce back, right? Well, essentially, these people are not able to bounce back. And what they're finding is that they're... Um, they're, they're tired, even if they're getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night, sometimes they're not, but even if they are, and they're just, they just don't have enough energy throughout the day. Okay. And how does that happen? So it's really an accumulation of stressors over time. So these could mm. be mental, emotional, or physical stressors. And by physical, that could be things like heavy metal toxicity, chemical toxicity, mold toxicity, infections, trauma, motor vehicle actions, uh, accidents, or like um, some sort of structural issue that stresses the body. And then, of course, the mental and the emotional ones are, are things that people understand, whether you're dealing with a, a, an intense boss or having a tough relationship or going through a breakup or having to um, study a postgraduate work or something like that where there's lots of demands on you. So it's stressors that accumulate over time. And so oftentimes people don't realize how many of these stressors they are, um, they're being affected by, but eventually the body is no longer able to deal with these stressors and it says, okay, time to shut down. Interesting. So what happens after that? Um, you know, so I, I'm guessing that people can't you know, do the normal things of their life, how does it influence them? Well, what ends up happening is that they their energy is either low throughout the day or it might crash throughout the day where let's say they wake up and they, they feel okay and then around 10 or 11 o'clock and then again around 3 o'clock, they just crash. And oftentimes these people are surviving on caffeine or energy drinks and, and they think that it's just because they're getting older, which is um, completely not true. Uh, the fact is, is that there's reasons for everything and there's reasons why. And the reason is not just because people are getting older. Interesting. So I always imagined that chronic fatigue was, you know, the inability to get out of bed. But you can, are you saying that you can still have chronic fatigue if you're just sort of tired all the time, but you can still kind of do something set, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's definitely a gauge. I've created what's what I call a fatigue scale. And so if you're, let's say, if your energy is like a five out of 10, it means that you can get out of your house and you can go to one, one appointment or something, but then you have to come home and lie down because you're too tired. So most people are kind of living or the people that we see are kind of like four, five, six out of 10. But the reality is, is that it's really subjective in the sense of how much is this, is your tiredness affecting your life? If you can't do what you want to do because you're too tired, that's a problem. If you can't exercise, if you can't 
um, get the job you want, you know, you're not going to get promoted because you're sleeping under your desk, right? Or you can't go out on the weekends with your friends because you can't stay up past 10 or you can't run around with your kids because you're too tired or you can't go out on a date with your partner because you need to sleep, right? So, um, oftentimes those, it, you know, it really depends on somebody's perspective and if, and if their tiredness is a problem for them, um, then it needs to be addressed. But what about people who are really ambitious and they want to do too many things in one day, you know, they want to survive on four hours of sleep and, you know, spend the whole day running around. They might think that they've got chronic fatigue. Would that be true? Well, it depends. I mean, if they, cause there's a lot of people who can do that, you mm -hmm. know, and some of it is your relationship to your stress. So there's actually been some studies that, you know, if you see your stress as motivating and you don't see it as negative, it's actually not going to negatively affect you physiologically, right? So, um, it depends on how they see their stress, but yes, if they believe that they are if they if they have a tiredness that's not relieved by rest and they're kind of pushing through to get through their day and they're surviving on caffeine and energy drinks, then yeah, there's a problem. And what other symptoms do people have, you know, other than just being tired all the time? So oftentimes because chronic infections are a big part of this and mold oftentimes can be a big part of this, heavy metals and chemicals, it's generally more than just fatigue. So oftentimes there's brain fog where people have a hard time remembering words. Um, they might have some uh, physical ailments like body pain. Uh, with some specific infections, they might have pain on the bottom of the foot, usually misdiagnosed as plantar fasciitis. They may have muscle cramps, usually in the calves, usually at night. They might have spontaneous sweating, where all of a sudden they just start sweating, where they're the hottest person in the room, or they're the coldest person in the room, so they have like temperature uh, irregularities. Sometimes they have shortness of breath. I mean, now with long COVID, people can have over 250 different symptoms. And so this is long haulers. This is basically people get COVID and their symptoms persist. They either go away and then they come back in a couple of weeks or they get it. And then they kind of, those symptoms kind of continue. And then they rotate between a number of different symptoms, but you can have over 200 different symptoms depending on where the COVID is in their bodies. Wow. I did hear that. Yeah. COVID you know, can cause just such a huge variety of different um, symptoms that, um, yeah, I feel like I hear a new one every week. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, you're so basically there's a lot of different symptoms for chronic fatigue and it's sort of based on what's causing it, right? So, is it worth finding out what's causing it? Absolutely. And this is one of the things that I tell people that oftentimes is missed is that people are way too focused on the treatments that they think that they should get. So they're asking people, what did you take to get better? Um, for some people, they're like, B12 shots were great for me. And other people are like, hyperbaric oxygen. Other people say high dose IV vitamin C. But none of those are really focused on the actual causes. And so generally, you're only going to get so far if you take those because they're not specific. And so in general, like I said, there's over 30 different causes. Everybody who has fatigue has a combination of 20 of those causes with the causes underneath those causes being heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, and trauma. And so figuring out if you have those things, it's not complex 
You can do urine tests, you can do stool tests. We figure out what causes people have, and then you can pinpoint it, and then you can be a lot more specific about removing it. Mm. Do you mind explaining a bit more about the different causes? Um, you've sort of mentioned them a little bit, but do you mind going into a bit more detail? Absolutely. So when we look at these 30 plus causes, we can really group them into deficiencies. These are things that are not in the body that are supposed to be in the body and toxicities. These are the things that are in the body that aren't supposed to be in the body. So when we look at deficiencies, oftentimes people are familiar with this. They might be deficient in hormones, whether it's adrenal hormones, thyroid, sex hormones like uh, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, whether they're deficient in vitamins like vitamin D or vitamin B12, deficient in minerals like magnesium or iron. Um, they might be deficient in neurotransmitters like serotonin or dopamine, or they might be deficient in lifestyle habits. So not enough good food, not enough good water, not enough good sleep, not enough good movement, right? Not enough good mindset. So those are all the things that people generally have control of, right? They can change their sleep habits, they can change their movement. A lot of these other ones, they don't. And then when we look at the toxins, <clears throat> these are some of those root root causes that I'm talking about. And these toxins are going to cause the deficiencies in hormones and nutrients, vitamins, minerals, et cetera, neurotransmitters. Um, and so that's the heavy metals, the chemicals, the molds, the infections, the allergies, negative emotional patterns or trauma, um, uh, structural issues, whether somebody's had some sort of motor vehicle accident, um, hypercoagulation is in here where the blood is too thick and consequently you can't get enough oxygen to your tissues, COVID is in here. So those are really the root root causes that we have to get at, but we have to go, we have to take people through a four-step process in order to be able to get there in order to make sure that they're successful. But that's kind of the big picture can feel a little bit overwhelming to people listening to this, but when you actually have a, a process and you actually know the causes you have, it doesn't take very long at all. Mm. So I guess, and I guess to find out what's causing it and to get treatment, the best way is to go to your doctor? Um, I wish, unfortunately. Mm. Um, of these causes, so when I went through my training, so I'm trained right now, um, I went through uh, medical school, I got my MD, and then I started figuring out that I really couldn't help people with my MD the way that I wanted to. I couldn't reverse disease. So then I started learning about holistic medicine and then integrative medicine and combining the best of natural medicine and conventional medicine. And then I went into functional medicine, which is a look at the biochemistry of people and then environmental medicine to look at the number of toxicities that we're being exposed to on a regular basis and how those affect disease. And so consequently, it's taken me two decades to learn all this information that I need. So unfortunately, if you go to your regular doctor, they may say, okay, well, um, it's probably your iron. Your iron's probably low. Or they might say that your thyroid is low. Those are kind of the biggest things. Or sometimes they'll be like, oh, Maybe it's HIV, let's check that. Or maybe it's hepatitis B, So, which are some of these more serious things um, that oftentimes it's not. Now, it's good to go to your, your conventional GP because you're going to want them to run some basic lab tests and make sure that there's nothing really overt. But most of the time, these things really are um, more subtle, more nuanced, and require a different skill set. So unfortunately, even if somebody is a functional medicine practitioner, 95% of them 
don't know a lot about heavy metals, chemicals, molds, and infections, especially things like COVID, Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr virus, because they can help a lot of people by adjusting their lifestyle, giving them some supplements. They can make a world of difference. And so they don't have to necessarily get into this. Now, I had to get into it. I didn't want to get into it either, but I had to get into it because I had chronic fatigue for five years and I couldn't get the help that I wanted. My wife had chronic fatigue for three years. She couldn't get the help and I couldn't help her. So I had to go through a process of learning all of these different things so that I could help myself, so that I could help others. Um, but it's not necessarily th something that a lot of other practitioners want to go through. So if people do want to get help with this, um, are you the only person or, um, you know, who should you so, be looking for? Yeah. So looking for a chronic fatigue expert. Um, there is, there's Dr. Myhill, who's in the UK. Um, there's me, there's Jacob Teitelbaum, who's in Hawaii. Um, I'm the only one, and I don't know anybody um, down under, but I'm the only one I know that it has a international um, online virtual program. So we actually have people um, from 12 countries, including New Zealand and Australia, and the European Union and the UK, Canada, and, and the States. Um, and we have supplement and laboratory stores in each of these countries so that people can get the support that they need. Ah, but great. what you're looking for is that when you talk to a practitioner, you want to ask them their comfort level in addressing heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, and trauma. Because I have heard just, you know, from people around me that um, people do get chronic fatigue and it really affects them, but they have trouble, um, you know, finding treatment, finding support, or even being taken seriously, right. um, that it's a problem. Um, and a so, lot yeah. of that, yeah, and I was going to say a lot of that is, you know, unfortunately, people end up getting medical trauma from those situations where they go to see the doctor and the doctor says, it's all in your head. You know, it's incredibly insulting. Um, and a lot of it comes from the fact that the doctor feels awful that they can't help the, pe the person sitting in front of them. So instead of saying, I feel awful, they vomit all over the person. They vomit their discomfort. You know, they go from shame to blame because they feel shameful. They end up blaming the other person and saying, you know, this is all your fault. You're causing this thing. Get out of my office. I mean, I've heard people being kicked out of offices before. And it's just because physicians don't know how to deal with their discomfort. And instead of saying, I'm going to do some research and figure this out, they say, get out of my office. This is too uncomfortable for me. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, doctors are humans as well. I, um, and, you know, I think that no doctor is perfect, but I feel like, you know, you should be, this is your job. You're supposed to help people. Um, yeah. Not at least... If you can't help someone, don't make them feel better, uh, worse about it. Exactly. And, but they don't realize that that's actually what's happening. You know, it's uh, kind of an internal thing that's happening where they, they know that they feel uncomfortable and they're sitting in the company with this person, you know, but so much of, it's kind of, when you look at different lines of development, when you're looking at people who are intellectually prone, um, like a physician, they're going to support and foster their intellectual development, but oftentimes other developments like emotional developments get stunted. And consequently, they're not able to go through that process. It just so happens that I married uh, a woman, my wife, who is, um, her, her top value in life is 
is personal growth and emotional growth. I really have no choice but to but to look at this stuff and to do my own personal development if I want to uh, keep up with her and continue in dialogue, you know. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's not something that's prioritized in the medical profession. Mm, yeah. And um, but I guess it's great that, you know, you get the chance to to do a bit of both. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've realized is that our personal work that we do from the emotional side of things is actually, I believe, the most important work that we do in this life. Um, and so for a lot of the people who are in our programs, the, you know, using chronic fatigue and using any sort of illness as an opportunity for personal growth. You know, this the light has been now shown on on you and on on you with this illness and it gives you an opportunity, it gives you the fodder for for growth. Ah, so taking something that might be seen as negative, but turning it positive and trying to grab something out of it. Absolutely. So you also mentioned earlier that um, there's this belief that as you get older, you know, fatigue is normal, people just get tired more, but that's not correct. Um, so do you mind explaining that a little bit more? Yeah. So as humans, we're incredibly adaptable, you know, and we, you know, when we were in high school, oftentimes we had physical education or we were doing more exercise, we were playing sports, um, we could eat whatever we wanted. And as we get older, um, our metabolism starts to slow down. Uh, we stop exercising. It's no longer built into our routines. And so consequently, the food goes southward because we also get a lot busier and we're not getting good home-cooked meals oftentimes, you know, at least in our 20s or so. Um, and we're not drinking enough water because we're busy and we're not getting enough movement um, and we're not getting enough sleep because we're young and stupid, right? And so then these patterns end up continuing and then we have kids and then we're really not getting enough sleep. And then we, um, we're trying to excel more and we're kind of pushing through to do better at work because we want to achieve, because we want to please our parents or whatever the reason is. Um, and so consequently, society doesn't really set us up for success over time. You know, there are definitely some societies where what do you do after you eat dinner? Oftentimes, you, everybody falls out into the road and you dance. I remember this in South America when I was down there, or Central America. Like when 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 some sort of movement is is ingrained into the culture, oftentimes uh, people are are going to be healthier. But when it's not, and you have to make a concerted effort for movement, then it becomes and all these other things that I've talked about. All of a sudden, your lifestyle habits are are not ideal, and consequently, you start to feel worse. So to answer your question. We're, we're adapting and consequently we think that we think of ourselves as when we were a 22 year old self or younger and the reality is is that we're like oh well we're just getting older but the reality is that there's a lot of other things that are happening as well the other example i want to give is myself and so when we look at accumulation of these stressors as we talked about over time the mental emotional and the physical stressors a lot of it is accumulating a toxic load so when we're born, our moms dump all our good stuff and all of our not so good, all the not so good stuff into us. So we already come out of the womb with toxins. There was one study recently, a couple of five years ago, that showed that over 280 different chemicals were found in baby cord blood. So we're already coming out 
with over 200 different chemicals in our bodies. And then if we're consuming things that are high in mercury, like let's say we get mercury fillings or silver fillings, every time we bite down, mercury vapor is released into our mouths. If we're eating large fish like tuna fish or swordfish, very high in mercury. If we're living in a building or working in a building that ever had any water damage, we can get mold in our bodies. Um, there's over 100,000 pounds of mercury that are dumped into our oceans every year, over 86,000 um, different chemicals that we're exposed to on a regular basis that we're not supposed to be exposed to that our bodies can't deal with. So these kind of accumulate over time and then consequently the body kind of gives up and says, hey, it's too much. And you couple that with poor lifestyle habits like I mentioned before and then all of a sudden there's a straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe it's COVID, maybe it's a breakup, maybe it's a car accident and then all of a sudden people end up in chronic fatigue. I imagine it'd be harder to you know, work on, you know, the, the um, toxins in the body. Um, you know, you can avoid eating tuna, but it's hard not to drink water. Um, so lifestyle factors seem to be an area that we can, uh, fix a bit more easily. So right. how would you recommend people go about with that? So the first thing that I highly recommend is developing a mindset practice. And so we have a daily practice where this is part of it. Um, of things that we recommend. But when you do a mindset practice, which we have four steps to it, first step is gratitudes. Research shows that three gratitudes a day can shift your mindset. Uh, second step is to envision your ideal day from beginning to end. It could be next year, five years in the future, 10 years in the future. Um, the next step is to look at any sort of um, disempowering beliefs that you have and flipping them into empowering beliefs. So if you believe there's not enough time because you're, you feel this urgency throughout your day, there's not enough money, there's not enough whatever, flipping it on its head and saying there's always going to be enough of whatever um, can be really beneficial. And then the last thing is asking yourself an empowering question. Oftentimes people are asking themselves disempowering questions. In the health field, it's, you know, why is this happening to me? That's incredibly disempowering. A more empowering question would be, what can I do today to move my health forward even more? What can I do today to love myself even more? These are, these are questions that we can kind of reprogram our brains. Um, and most of us have had some sort of trauma in our lives, whether it's been really significant abuse or whether it's been something perceived as smaller, like rejection of a peer group, which happened to me a couple of times, which changes the way that you look at the world and consequently makes you more prone to illness and dysfunction. So that mindset's a big component of that. And then the lifestyle stuff, you know, going to bed between 9 and 10 p.m., um, making sure that the pets are out of the out of that segment of the house, so they're not waking you up in the middle of the night. You got to be woken up by a kid. That's one thing, but trying to decrease the amount of interruptions you have, being able to sleep through the night, um, eating good food that's organic, that that's obviously free from pesticides if it's organic. That's um, avoiding gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol. Those are kind of the big things we recommend that we see that make people feel worse and that significantly um, disrupts the the energy system in the body. Um, then there's drinking enough water. So most people need somewhere between two and a half and three liters of water. We wanna make sure it's good water. Um, there's actually a site in the States, environmentalworkinggroup.org or ewg.org 
slash tapwater, T-A-P-W-A-T-E-R, where people can go and they can put in their zip code and they can see the toxins that are in their water. And it's amazing how toxic our water is um, that we are, that we're actually drinking. And so oftentimes we're recommending for people to get a distiller and we have this information on our website under our recommended products. If anybody's interested in the exact um, brand that we recommend. Um, and then there's movement. There's a Goldilocks dose of movement that people really need that uh, that will serve them. If they feel worse after movement, it's too much, right? But you, you want to find a dose that works for you. If you're busy, you want to do five minutes of something. Maybe it's jumping jacks. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's burpees. Maybe it's running around the block, but you got to figure out what's going to work for you in the amount of time that you have available. So those are just some tips that people can do today. Great. Thank you. And uh, for anyone who wants those links that you mentioned as well, um, we'll put them in the show notes for you so you can find them. Um, and what about for people who are working in like high demanding jobs, um, you know, nurses, doctors, truck drivers who, you know, might not be able to, you know, who have to be on all the time, but might not have enough time to sleep and do all of those things that you mentioned. Yeah, this is where supplementation is really helpful. Um, and so when we take people through our four-step process, we replace the deficiencies, even though what you heard me talk about was how these toxins are really the key to everything, the heavy metals, the chemicals, the molds, the infections, the, the trauma. They're really key to everything, but we can't just go directly at them. We got to make the person as strong as possible first. And so this is a Band-Aid. It's a natural Band-Aid. But what I call the big three, which is the adrenal gland, which is responsible for producing cortisol, which is our main get up and go hormone. It manages insulin and our blood sugars. It helps with our circadian rhythm, so our sleep-wake cycle. It helps avoid those crashes. Supporting the adrenals supporting the mitochondria, which produces 70 to 90% of our energy, and supporting our thyroid is the big three, and it's incredibly helpful. So getting people good doses of that every three or four hours can make a huge difference in people's lives, where if you don't have a choice and you got to go, 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 this is one of those things that allows you to exist in society without being incredibly worn out um, at the end of the day or crashing throughout the day. Thank you. So after all of this, if you have chronic fatigue, can it definitely be cured? Absolutely. The question is just the how much time does it take? And so it, that usually has to do with the number of causes that somebody has, the severity of those causes, and then somebody's reaction to treatment. And so each one of those toxins that I talked about generally will take six to 12 months each. Now we can treat them all almost at the same time, but all of our programs are at least 12 months. Sometimes it takes people 18 months. Sometimes it takes them 24 months. Sometimes it takes them 36 months. So it really just depends on the all those different causes and how fast they're willing and able to come out of your body. Now, if you're living in a moldy environment and you can't get out of that moldy environment, then it ends up taking long uh, on the longer end of things, right? But when you go through a process like this, where you're going to be focused on more causes than you ever have been, your likelihood of success goes through the roof. Great. Thank you. Um, is there anything that I've missed that you wanted to talk about? 
I think one of the things that's important for people to note is that of these different causes that we're look at, looking at, these 30 plus causes, 75% of these can be determined by symptoms and history alone. So when I have a first call with somebody, I'm already going to know 75% of their causes, if not more. And then the other ones, the 20, there's 25% that really need labs. And so some people think that they need to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in order to get these, these appropriate labs, but it doesn't have to be that much. Um, so I guess speak to um, an expert first and determine which um, labs are necessary and yeah, go from there. Exactly. Great. Um, so, and what about, um, what is something that you do, um, a practice that you do to manage your productivity? So I think that there's a lot of mindset work that I do personally um, to manage my productivity. I'm constantly asking myself, is this the most important one thing? I don't know if you've heard of that book, The One Thing. It's a great book that talks about productivity it's uh, then the whole phrase is like, what's the one thing that I can do right now that makes all the other things um, obsolete? Um, or what's the one thing that I can do right now in order to make everything else easy? Um, you know, and so I'm constantly asking myself that question. And then I'm, and then I'm working in Asana, my project management software, in order to make sure that that's aligned with what's the most important thing right now. Mm. Great. Uh, that doesn't seem like too hard for people to do. So thank you for that. Um, I'll be having a think about what I can do. Um, the one thing I can do today. Um, so we do have some questions from the audience. Um, so um, that's where the audience gets to send them some questions in and we'll see if you can answer them. So our first question is, how can I differentiate between normal tiredness and chronic fatigue? And when should I seek medical advice? So I would say when your normal tiredness is significantly compromising your way of life, where it's affecting, it's negatively affecting your work, your ability to have relationships, um, you know, and you're not living the life that you want, then it's time to get medical advice. And our second question is, um, what lifestyle changes... Um... What lifestyle changes can help manage chronic fatigue and how can they be incorporated into a busy schedule? So in terms of incorporating into a busy schedule, well, I would say the lifestyle habits would be some of the ones that we mentioned. So mm. um, sleep, going to bed earlier. You know, I was problem solving with a client today around this where um, he was saying, you know, the kids get home and then, you know, I'm making dinner and then... Um, I'm feeding them and then I've got to make their lunches. And before I know it, it's 11 o'clock at night. And it's like, okay, well, how can you get creative to move things forward in the day? You know, oftentimes people have a psychological attachment to um, having their own time into the evening and, um, and figuring out, okay, well, how do I do that in the context of being with my family? You know, um, so there's sleep. There is, there's the movement that we talked about, getting your Goldilocks dose of movement, even if it's just five minutes, do jumping jacks, do jumping jacks for five minutes, do jumping jacks until you can't do any more. And, uh, and then, you know, water, making sure that you've got a water bottle that you carry around with you, that you're drinking throughout the day in order to get your two and a half to three liters. And then your good food, 
Um, you know, there's all sorts of different meal plans available now. So if you typed in like paleo meal plan, you can find a place that kind of delivers the either the meal plan, the meals to your door and you just heat them up or they're going to deliver the food. Um, so they're essentially grocery shopping for you with a recipe and you can go ahead and you can make that food. So there's a lot of ways now um, to um, to eat better than ever before. Mm. And I definitely find that um, sort of those recipe plans really help because I spend most of the time going, what can I make with what I have? Um, what should I make today? Um, and that really eats a lot of time that I could actually be cooking and eating and doing things that are actually good for me. Right. And it takes a lot of, and it takes up energy, you know, it mm. takes a lot of creative energy. And some people really enjoy doing that cooking and whatnot. And for other people, it's really hard. Like it's incredibly hard for me. It's quite easy for my wife, but she still says, Hey, sometimes, you know, I'm holding a lot and sometimes it's really hard for me to wrap my head around. Okay. Well, what am I going to cook today? So we've also come up with a number of meals that really serve us. And so we can rotate through those. And so we know that we have, we have options. Yeah. It's always good to have that one go-to stir fry. Right. Well, and you know, right now, I think tonight we're having, um, gluten-free and dairy-free macaroni and cheese with hot dogs and, um, I don't know, something else, but it's, um, oh, and then spinach, you know, so we're, we're getting our greens, but we're also having like some comfort food. We're getting our, our, um, our meat. And so, you know, you can still, you know, if you're, if you're like, okay, how do I go gluten-free and dairy-free and sugar-free and alcohol-free? Well, oftentimes you just have to change that thing that you're already making and just get it gluten-free. So gluten-free pasta, gluten-free bread, you know, sometimes it's too much to, to give up everything. Mm, I don't know what I would do without bread. <laughs> You'd be just fine. You would mm, find something else. <laughs> I probably would. Um, our third question is, um, how can individuals with chronic fatigue uh, effectively manage their workloads and responsibilities without overexerting themselves? Yeah, you have to be really conscious of this and you have to ask people for help. Oftentimes, people are afraid to ask for help. They're afraid to appear weak, but you can't... People want to help and and you can't get people's help unless you ask for it. So part of it is being beautifully vulnerable and um, being able to ask your partner, being able to ask your friends, um, and then also figuring out what you need to serve you. So if you find that you have chronic fatigue, but you're, you're ambitious about your career and you have a busy life, but you find that at three o'clock every day, you have to lie down for a half an hour, you have, that build, you have to build that into your schedule. And if that's the time that you need to be picking up your kids, you need to ask so-and-so to pick up the kids at that time so that you can prioritize your health. So if you think about your life from a lens of what do you need to do in order to support you and to, and to support your health, it really changes how you look at it. Um, you know, oftentimes our, if, we're, if we're thinking about things as priorities and we think, okay, my family is number one. Well, guess what? If you don't make yourself number one, there's no way that you can support your family. So oftentimes people might see that at least in many cultures as being selfish. Well, I'm here to give lots of people permission to, to see selfish as a supportive word and not as a bad word. It's good to be selfish when you don't feel well. Uh, oftentimes, 
people are way too stretched trying to take care of everybody else. And something that I noticed with my own parents was um, when my mom would get too stressed, she would end up getting pneumonia and would be in hospital. And then what can you do? You're in hospital. You can't do anything. So it's much better to sort of maintain your health and be a bit selfish there. Um, so you can be there for everyone else um, by being healthy. Absolutely. And our fourth question um, sort of also goes into this as well. It's how can employers and colleagues be more supportive of individuals with chronic fatigue and um, how can they help them to be more productive? Excellent. So I think that checking in with people on the regular and using something like a fatigue scale um, so that you can see where people are at and who needs attention and who needs help um, and being able to to figure out what's going to serve them best. You know, oftentimes um, 50 minutes of, in, of focused activity and 10 minutes of a break um, has been shown to be um, uh, much better for focused and productive work, but it's not necessarily being implemented in a lot of businesses. So, you know, um, making those suggestions, the people who are working in the business, um, making sure that they're well supported with with uh, no sugar policies, potentially, you know, I mean, how many times do you see somebody coming in and bringing donuts? You know, it just, and every then everybody's crashed a few hours later, like talk about poor productivity. Um, I mean, sugar is more addictive than heroin, you know, it's, you know, yeah. So, um, of, you know, supporting people by having um, maybe different um, shelves in the fridge for different food allergies or sort of thing or having more dialogues around this, you know, how can we be a healthier organization? How can I help support the health of my uh, employees? Because the reality is the healthier that they are, the more productive they're going to be and the better the business is going to be. And so implementing these things, but you know, you have to, you have to believe it to see it instead of you mm. have to see it to believe it. You have to believe it to see it. You have to realize that, um, that when you start to implement these things, that so many things get better. So if you just made the lifestyle changes that we talked about today, and you notice it in your own life as a business owner, and then you can go and you can and you can encourage people, uh, maybe even give them incentives. Like we have some insurance companies in the states, they'll give incentives for people who go to the gym, or who uh, cut out sugar, or decrease their glucose on their blood sugar monitoring, or anything like that. So there's a number of different. Those are just some ideas that I have. And some of the things that I do with people um, who are my employees, where I'm checking in with them, how's your workload? How can I help you manage things? Let's talk about how to make this, you know, I don't want you working past time that you were supposed to. I had an employee yesterday who thought that he had to get something done yesterday. And I said, if it's quitting time and you think you have to keep working to get something done, I want you to message me and ask me, how important is it for me to get this done? And, I, and I'll say nine times out of 10, you can get it done tomorrow. You know, so it's just important to have this communication um, with your employees. Mm, I think that's really great as well that you're so open with your employees, um, with the communication and what you expect with them. Because I think particularly as a new employee, it can be very scary. You know, you have to get something done and you have to get it done now. <laughs> um, and that can lead to a lot of, you know, overtime and stress. Absolutely. Well, I think that over-communication is key in business relationships. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't have to communicate this thing or whatever it is, but 
you can always over communicate and then you can be course corrected if the person's like, hey, you're telling me too much. But, um, but over communication is key. That's great advice. Thank you. Um, so um, our open mic section is um, a chance where you get to talk about something that you're passionate about and it doesn't have to be related to our topic today. Did you have something in mind? Um, well, I think I will talk about fun and it is kind of related to our topic. So I recently okay. had somebody on my podcast who was talking about joy and how important having a joy practice is. And we actually have them, people in our program having a fun practice where um, every single day, well, you have a list of things that you find fun in life and every single day you do one of them. You make sure you do one of them. And so for me, one of these things is singing. And so I love to sing. I enjoy singing. Um, and I want and I want to improve my singing. So I actually have a singing coach. And so I meet with her every single week. Um, and I encourage people, whatever you want to do in life, get a coach. You know, and you want to, you want to get better at, at piano. What do you hire? You hire a piano coach or a piano teacher. You want to get over your chronic fatigue. You hire a fatigue coach like me. Right. So, um, but for me, singing is, um, is fun. And so I do it every day. It's also, um, really relaxing for me. It's something that I did before I got on this call because it kind of, it increases my energy and it kind of puts me in a state um, where I'm ready to perform and I'm ready to be articulate. It um, puts me more into my parasympathetic, which is more relaxing, you know, by taking these deep breaths, you know, there's really lots of benefits to singing. And so um, I encourage people to do something fun every day. And for me, that's singing. Thank you. Um, uh, I love that. Um, yeah, I think I do try and do something fun every day, but it can be hard, particularly when, you know, particularly busy. Um, but singing is a very easy one, I think, you know, even if you just do it in the shower. Absolutely. And it feels good most of the time. And, you know, my, my daughter wasn't feeling good yesterday and, you know, she just social stuff at school and whatnot. And I said, well, what can you do to change your state? You know, can you go in the bathroom or you're in your bedroom and sing or scream into a pillow or whatever it is, you know, you need to find tools so that you're resourced and you can reach for something when you're struggling in a particular situation. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, so if our listeners want to find out more about you, um, where can they find you? So I'm at energymdmethod.com and there's a little button down the right-hand side of the of the page, where you can actually text me directly. Wow! No matter, yeah, it, and and you can text no matter where you are in the world. Well, I shouldn't say that. You can't text certain parts of the world, but for most of the English-speaking world, um, I can text with you. Um, and so that's if you want to start a conversation. We do have free twenty-minute calls with me to see if we're a good if you're a good fit for one of our programs. Um, and then we're also on social media everywhere and we have a free Facebook group that you can be a part of if you want. And then we also have, if you go to that website and you click on learn, you can see we've got a bunch of quizzes um, and handouts to help you determine what are a lot of your different causes so that you can then, once you have that information, then you have the power to figure out how to fix those causes.
Great. Thank you. And uh, we'll put those um, links and uh, website addresses in the bio, so uh, show notes, so um, people can find you easily. Did you also say that there was a gift? Oh, yes. There's a free gift, too. So, um, fortunately, I've had a best-selling book on Amazon. And if you want a PDF of that book, I will uh, give you the link and uh, and you guys are welcome to download that. Great. Thank you. Yeah, we'll make sure that's all in our show notes. Um, thank you for that. Um, and thank you for joining me today. It was really great to talk to you. Lots of things to think about. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pp.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.